Well, hey, Garrett. Hey, Downey. <laughs> so let's talk about where we are in, in the universe in time right now. What, what, what are we looking at? Earth 2021. Um, I, uh, it is uh, late at night, ironically um, better. Not like super late. It's like 10. Um, but it's better for my um, symptoms at night. Um, things sort of like calm down more. Mm-hmm. Um, most nights. So we're going to try to film it. I'm a little soupy. Um, so I'm going to do my best to communicate through this stuff, but I'm not really, uh, you know, super in speaker mode. I think we'll have some good um, clarity. The point of doing this was so that we capture a snapshot of what it's like to be inside of the crisis not just talk about it once we're on the other side of the crisis so right now i'm dealing with lyme disease that turned into a progressive autoimmune disease and i'm a couple months out from the last diagnosis which means my trauma is fresh but it's not sore to the point that i can't talk about it at all we're just gonna have to navigate sensitively around that for my well-being um as i come to terms i'm not at a conclusion health-wise or um at at a full conclusion a lot of the things that i'm learning through the season but i can share what is working not just what worked what's working now and I wanted the opportunity to do that I wanted the opportunity to share from uh, the perspective of the situation and how it's functioning and how I've stayed sane what I'm doing in my hard moments how I'm keeping a good attitude and be real about the challenges because uh, I'm not always in a good attitude but it is the um, leaning towards that place um, and the posture that we go through things in and the, at the pace we go through things in that I really think uh, helps us sustain. It's been about eight months. Uh, in a couple of days, it'll be eight months since uh, my uh, the first sign of all these symptoms. I'm in... Uh, a pretty significant amount of pain um, most days and lower pain some days um, when the discomfort is pretty consistent with a little bit of reprieve. Um, right now, I'm probably at a 3 out of 10. Um, hands are a little shaky and stuff, but um, I'm just stoked. I want to do this with, with you because we... Uh, talk so easily around this stuff and you do such a good job of um, giving people the benefit of the doubt and digging into the place where the potential is, where their heart is, where the intention is. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to slip some ums in here because <laughs> I think you're allowed I, a few ums. I need some, <laughs> part of what the doctor said was that I need um, 
to scatter some ums within my thing to give me time to think. That was, um, yeah, that was what the doctor, that's what he said. So you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. The doctor has prescribed the um. Yeah. That is, uh, was and that, any, what was that? And any mistake that I make, we're going to blame on me not feeling good. Yes. So yeah. none of this other, when I'm not feeling good, I am perfect. Of course. There is no flaw <laughs> in my communication style ever. No. Ever. No. No. You were you were on some over the counter us <gasps> at one point. I remember I remember you now I'm on prescription us. You're on prescription ums. Yeah. It's, it's their their uh their prescription strength. Yeah. Yeah. It totally makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, you mentioned brain fog and I know that that has been a significant challenge through the especially through working through the pain. Um walk us through what brain fog feels like in this in this time well you know the book that we were working on is um was and we're going to be getting back to uh when i'm in a manageable spot what we did we did a lot of research in that book where we found there was a lot of connection between our brain and our body I mean, because it's part of our body, but we oftentimes think of the mind as an ethereal place that doesn't exist. So uh, somebody I know that works at a psych ward, um, like, you know, like a facility for that, um, she has seen a lot of um, difficult cases and experienced, you know, her own struggle with that, said, we give sympathy to every organ but the brain and i think when that comes to excuse me when that comes to um brain fog and fatigue we often are really hard on our brain because we think well i could be physically exhausted what does that have to do with my brain well your brain is part of your body and so uh, your brain actually burns calories. Your brain gets tired. Um, there are so many aspects where we can um, not give the same rest to our brain that we give to our body because um, we can be inactive in the way we're using our body and keep our brain active and wonder why we're feeling exhausted. So part of the brain fog comes with fatigue that I have, and I would call it some language we had talked about a lower bandwidth um, to work with. And uh, I relate this in ways when you go through grief, you have a lower emotional bandwidth as you're processing these things in crisis. And this point, um, I have a lower energy bandwidth and that translates, um, it translates to my ability for me to be very active mentally and clear mentally, part of Lyme disease as well, the symptom I experience with it, one of the symptoms I experience is brain fog, which is a typical thing through there, but it doesn't help that I'm on a lot of medication to manage my autoimmune disease and Lyme. So it can be difficult, I can get overstimulated and um, One of the strangest things is, you know, everyone can get too tired to respond to a text. 
because we have to use creativity in some way. But when somebody else is too tired, it sounds ridiculous until it's us. And there's a lot of things that work that way. So for me, it's difficult to keep up. I probably have about 100 people within my community, like as far as uh, the people that are close. And I don't mean my close circle. I just mean the people who are connected with my life. And it's difficult because um, I'll often get into a place where I can't think clearly. My hands will hurt because it's in the joints of my fingers and my wrist. And um, I also, my brain is so tired, I'm just having trouble coming up with a response that's not a smiley face. And it can sound, you know, so overreactive, but we've all been really sick yeah. and we've all been like, man, I can't do anything right now. I just felt that way for eight months. So that's a difficult thing, I think, a lot of people have been very patient with me. And when I explain that to very understanding, and there's been a few exceptions, but for the most part with that, um, people have been really understanding once they understand. So I think a part of people allowing people to be understanding is allow them to understand. So for me, when I went through grief, when I went through losing family members, my grief counselor told me, if you want people to understand you, help them understand you by explaining yourself. And what's difficult in these situations is if we don't understand it ourselves, it's hard to explain it. That's right. So part of what I've been doing is just trying to process it so I can understand it myself, getting back into counseling, into receiving counseling. And I am uh, so excited. I think it's like in a week. Um, I was at too volatile of a health place to be able to go. Um, day by day, it goes up and down. And when it comes to the brain fog, the brain fatigue, uh, you know, we only need to give what we have. That's, that's all we need to give. And I know when I don't have a lot, I don't have a lot to give, but it doesn't mean I can't give anything. And at some moments, I'm flat out in my bed, can't give anything, can't do anything. And part of the pe part of the people we're supposed to take care of in our life, part of that group is us, ourselves. So um, I've just tried to treat myself like my best friends would treat me if they were here constantly and look at myself with the grace that the people who love me the most give me. And that's what I can borrow from, is um, just this idea that, well, they must love me for a pretty good reason. And part of that, I think, is, um, you know, this is gonna sound weird to say, but if you're nice to everybody but yourself, you're being mean to somebody. I love that. You're included in the person that you treat. And so I look at it like, would I be friends with me through this? And I just try to be as good a friend to me as possible. And it's definitely helped me give grace when I may not be in a place to explain myself all the time. That's, honestly, that's one of the most difficult parts. So when we're talking about giving grace to yourself, I love how you said that. What is... 
what is a way that is a consistent method for giving grace to yourself? What do you always come back to in those moments where you're, you, you might start feeling, feeling like you're, you're, you're inadvertently letting someone down or you're letting yourself down through this season? What do you return to in, in those times where you can give yourself grace? Um, I, I imagine somebody's telling me about any situation that I'm in at an event. Because after I speak at an event, often people come up and talk to me. And I think, um, what, how would I respond to them empathetically? How would I, you know, care about them? And then I don't treat myself any worse than that. That's my goal. And it's difficult because I have to reapply that kind of like layers, excuse me, layers of paint, you know, where you have to like, okay, well, that layer was enough. We got to layer it over because, you know, they're one of the most difficult things about this season. And, you know, there's a lot of difficult things. You may say one of the most difficult things about a lot of things is um, the... There's a lot of things I can't do. Yeah. So when I discover something like that, when, um, you know, something that would be just a small part of my day exhausts me for the whole day, um, I have to apply a whole new level of grace, patience, and understanding. And, um, if I want people to give that to me, if I'm asking them to do that, I should at least be giving it to myself too and not hold a standard um, to them that I'm not keeping. I, I will say part of giving grace to myself is um, I have a friend that's going through a similar autoimmune disease, just affects him differently and it's been really hard. It's been going on for years. I'm glad he's alive. I'm glad he's here with us. He's one of my favorite people, and congrats, by the way, Matt. Yeah, I know you're getting married, like, next week, but um, he was like, you just got to celebrate when you get to the end of the day that you made it through, and I know this is a very simple concept, but it's very necessary to return to basic fundamental concepts when you're going through something like this, because you just need stuff to hold on to. And some days I'm just proud of myself for getting through it and sustaining, uh, sustaining through the pain. I don't, there's not a way that I can describe being in pain for this long. I don't know how to frame that. I don't know how to put it into words or context. Um, I feel like sometimes I've tried and some people have minimized it from a place of, um, well, you know, I just realized the situation is never, never changes under the context of someone else's perspective. My pain level doesn't go up and down. And I know a lot of people, um, that go through, anything that's chronic, anything that's long-term health-wise uh, would be like, when I say this, 
um, it goes up and down. So someone may see you here, and an hour later you're here. And someone may see you here, and the next day you might be up here. I don't control it. <laughs> I'm along for the ride. And um, that's why they're called things like flare-ups. Yeah. It flares up. Yeah. Um, and when it calms down, the hard thing is it doesn't go away. Not at this point. So part of it has just been like, all right. You know, I can say this about it. Uh, a friend told me a concept that has really helped me, which is you're kind of in a room trying to get out. Or really look at what you can do here. It, again, it sounds simple, but that's kind of what you need is simple just things to grab onto. You need it to be accessible to you in this place and you need to be able to apply it. Um, and by you, I mean me. <laughs> um, so how, how it really makes sense to me is crisis is an airplane and we are going somewhere that we're going to get off. And I can either be trying to open the doors and end the flight early, um, but I gotta stay on the plane until it's over. So instead of trying to get off the plane, I aim to do what I can on, and that has really helped me, excuse me, in this season, has been, all right, what can I do? And then I, I, I see the colors I have, I see the palette I have, and I just paint the most beautiful painting I can with those colors. So I'm like, man, if I'm gonna be here and I can only watch movies today, I'm gonna watch the movies I've been really wanting to watch. I'm gonna have fun, I'm gonna go down a hole of different directors that I get really into. Maybe I'll listen to some great jazz and I'll get really into an artist. I'm working with a smaller color palette, it's, smaller amount of colors than I would in a different season, but it doesn't mean I can't paint something beautiful out of them. So that has really helped in not looking at what I can't do, but looking at what I can do and maximizing that to the best of my ability and knowing that that will return. The plane will land. The, the, the plane will land. And um, I will get to a manageable point. And my job is to make this as healthy as just restful in the best way, as uh, careful and strategic when it comes to how I take care of my health and decisions that we make, and um, in a lot of ways enjoyable. You know, we can't just wait for things to be over. What I've really learned is we can hold sadness and happiness. We got two hands. So you don't need to just, I used to just be like, it's a sad day or it's a happy <laughs> day. Your day is actually, I saw a neurologist post about this recently. Um, your days can be broken up into four sections. You might have a bad morning. Doesn't mean you have a bad lunch. Doesn't mean you have a bad midday bad evening like there are different sections the day is not done 
because you had a bad moment. Secondly, I can be sad and processing sadness on one hand and still be having a great conversation with somebody like you on the phone. I don't have to be all one color. You see what I'm saying? It's just to go back to paint analogies because I like the palette. Uh, so I don't have to be um, one color. My color doesn't have to be just sadness. We paint with different colors throughout the day, and I think that's important. I can do both. I can do both. I remember I was sitting watching the sunset, which I love doing here. <laughs> um, I love it, and it's just been such a great thing every day as I you know, lay in my bed or sit in a chair and watch out the window or go down to the patio and watch it. And um, it's just amazing because, you know, I remember being sad finding out the diagnosis and still appreciating the sunset, still being like, this is so beautiful. And I just allow myself to not be in a singular emotion, especially to force positivity in a place where I still need to process trauma and sadness, which by the way, comes in bite-sized pieces. So if I'm just all focused on processing that, it's like you can't eat a cake in one sitting. And if you can, I mean, <laughs> you might not feel so great after. I mean, it depends on what you like cake, I guess. Well, the great thing about this is you can subdivide, you can subdivide color. You can subdivide uh, time mm -hmm. however you want. Mm -hmm. So... You know, the great thing about the color palette, it's not just CMYK or RGB, you know, it's not just red, green, blue. You can take all of those different colors, you can mix them together, yeah. you know, and that's where, you know, like being happy and sad at the same time is, is melancholy. And I feel like most of the time, in, at least in my experience in life and in the, the grief that I've gone through and the, the challenging times, um, there there's never just grief there's never just pain there is pain and and beauty or or pain and um even laughter you know and these things juxtaposed create new colors that is beautiful because the combination of colors are, create a new color i love that what a way to, to just you're so good at that bringing the metaphor together it's a whole new thing yeah i love it the um you know i i found something important in this which is you know there's been really scary situations here um where i haven't been in control of my body and I, not only i can't control the pain there's been some times where like how many will move and um, it's really scary. And in those moments, um, having a good attitude is like not about, you know, a toxic positivity thing where we're like, yeah, I just gotta, I just gotta be happy. I just gotta be happy. No, it's, it's like, it's survival. It's, what it is, is look is how you feel about how you feel yeah so you look that's i believe that's what our attitude is yeah. so <laughs> we don't decide in a lot of ways how we feel um now in some ways we do with our perspective and our choices but in other ways um 
Our feelings are a reaction that we need to respond to, not just stay here. I look at it like we are on a hill and our emotions are a train going through. Let me do it this way so they can see. We're on a hill (laughs) and our emotions are a train going through and we need to watch them from the hill, not be on the train. Because then it it takes us wherever it wants. If we're on the hill, we can observe our emotions and I believe in observing our emotions that we are able to decide our response, not our reaction, not just a, well, this is how I feel. And it's just so funny that, you know, in a court of law, we can't just be like, well, I felt this way. I was angry. That's why. It's like, yeah, that doesn't, there's not like, oh, we know you were angry. So uh, you're, you're good, man. Ah, we get it. It's, it's what we do with our feelings. <laughs> right. And that has been so important going through this because I have felt all sorts of ways. But I have to decide how I feel about how I feel. And I know that sounds like I should be wearing a poncho or something. <laughs> you know. I've got some beads for you. I'm going to go get them. <laughs> <laughs> but I just mean, um, it, it's not, you know, when I say how we feel about how we feel, it sounds so, ooh, until it's just... We observe how we feel, and then we choose our response. And I want to read something specific that shifted my attitude, because pain, uh, if we're not careful, the emotion can spill over Mm. into other areas of our life and other people. So we end up trying to solve problems in our life in somebody else's. Yes, yes. So when we don't have control of our life, our body, all these different things, Excuse me. If we're not careful, we will try to solve what we can't solve in our life in somebody else's life. And so I realized what was helping me um, or what really changed my mind was everybody knows I talk about Bigger Frank all the time. Uh, You know, I've really resonated with his story and with his with how much he contributed to psychology because, and you know, he was one of the founding, you know, psychologists that we pull from because he went through possibly the most harrowing experience going through the Holocaust. So if he was able to come out of that with love and helping people and with meaning in his life and sustain it through meaning and prevent so many people from self-harm, you know, well, if it worked for Hundreds of thousands of people, including him in that experience. It's got to work for me in this situation. So this is the key that kind of unlocked it for me. And I had never um, seen this isolated. I've read it in like books, but I've never seen this, quote, isolated to where it just had its own meaning on its own. So I'm going to read you. I was in the bathtub, as I do, you know. That's where I spent a lot of my time through this. It's where the good thoughts come. <laughs> because I was just trying to bring my pain down. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. While I'm in here, <laughs> might as well do some thinking. Yeah. yeah. And um, this is what I what really helped me. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. So everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms. So we have the the freedom 
to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. And that just, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm just choosing to be happy. No, attitude is my posture in the situation, not the situation. It is what I still have control over. And there is one last thing we always have control over, and that is our choice of how we respond. And so I decided if I was going to respond to the situation, I was going to try to be as kind as possible to myself as well. (laughs) But also, you know, my girlfriend, my friends, my mom, my family is around me during this stuff. And do I really want to not interact with them in a loving, healthy way because I'm going through pain? Of course, man, sometimes I just don't have any juice. But it doesn't mean that I can't have kindness. It doesn't mean my angle and my posture can't be chosen in that way. And I tell you what, when I went to the emergency room before, I didn't have that tool in my tool belt. When I went the last time, I did. And dude, I was in so much pain. It was excruciating. And, you know, they didn't know if I had an aneurysm. They didn't know if they were going to do brain surgery that night. We were waiting for, we were waiting for the results. And I just decided, man, from the moment they were driving me in the emergency room, I'm just going to intentionally try to be as kind as possible. I'm just going to tell some jokes. I'm going to joke with the nurses i'm gonna you know i'm gonna gas up the uh the doctor <laughs> you know it was, it was actually the same one i went to before so i'm like you're getting tired of seeing me but <laughs> i was like you gotta sound to me on purpose dude right you missed my my pretty green eyes and uh he was amazing yeah. he was absolutely fantastic mm. and really got down to what we needed to find out and thankfully we didn't have to do brain surgery um and they got me some tool, some tools and some medication that could get me to a manageable point with that specific symptom. But it not only helps me, but it changes the atmosphere of a place. It changes the levity. It changes the weight of a place. And, you know, a lot of times we go into a place seeing how it's going to affect us. And I think we sometimes don't realize how we're going to affect a place and the impact we have in that place, even just in the feeling in the room. Call it the vibe, call it whatever you want. What we bring into there can be really powerful and it can really help us and the people around us. And I may not have a lot of capacity, but it doesn't mean I can't work with what I have. Now, let me ask you, when it comes to that decision, what is it that gets you to that point where you can make that decision? What what was the, 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 the switch in your brain that flipped from, I'm going to focus on my circumstances to, I'm going to focus on what I can change, and I'm going to focus on reframing this into how I can respond instead of what's happening to me at this moment. 
necessity. Hmm. Um, yeah. It, it becomes necessary when things are very difficult for us to find a way to handle it. Yeah. And I realized that there are ways I could handle it poorly or I could lean into it and test it. That's what I do when this stuff comes. I say, well, that's great advice. And even though I, that, like a lot of Frankl's work has really impacted my life, I still take it and see how it's going to work for me. And I say, okay, is this going to work? Why don't I just try it? And so I tried it and it worked. And I was like, well, what do I got to lose, man? Worst case, I have a good attitude. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I mean, dude, it, it, it sounds weird to say enjoyable, but there's no reason not to try and make this as enjoyable as possible. I'm talking about lab. I'm talking about my attitude. Why not just try to enjoy and appreciate things? I tell you, one of the things that's helped me a lot when it's come to this, as far as appreciation is renewing my appreciation daily. Mm -hmm. I look at things as if it is the first time that they're in my life every day. My girlfriend, my mom, every meal. I just renew the subscription every single day. I don't let it stack or become normalized. I literally appreciate. I just literally go into it and I'm like, okay, if this was the first day I had this item, the first day I had this food, the first time, and it just helps me taste everything better, man. And I'm just going to, why not try to enjoy it? I'm in so much pain, man. I might as well try to compensate for that in healthy ways by really savoring. If you have a little bit of food, you're going to savor the last bites. So right. might as well really savor life in these ways. And you know what I'm stoked about? You get to keep all these tool sets when you get through seasons like this. I'm just going to keep applying that. How much better is life going to be when I apply this in a season where I'm not writhing in pain? Yeah, It's survival now. It's helpful now. In the future, it will be an overload of joy. And that's the practical benefit of what, of what this tool set brings. Yeah. And that's why I think it was important to say it because I don't want to just say, in the future, I survived this. Yeah. Because I, I will, and I'll talk from that standpoint. I'll use this situation just like um, I used what I learned going through the loss of my dad, my grandma, dad's brother, all within six months. Yeah. Everything that I learned through there, I just wanted to share because I, I just, why not, man? How can I keep this to myself? Yeah. How can I? I yeah. mean, so I'm just, I just want to share what works. And right now, honestly, I'm still trying to figure out what works in this season. You know, I've gone through mental health stuff before. This is my first actual, like, I've been sick and even for a minute before, but at a whole nother level when there's times I go into the emergency room and I don't know if I'm coming out. And so in those places, you get a tool set that you get to apply in different areas of your life. And it just becomes, it's like lifting a lot of weights. And then you put the weight down. You still got all the muscle. So you just go into the next season so much stronger. Yeah. And, man, I love seeing people who look at it like that because um, it gives – we need to connect purpose to these seasons. We need to connect what is – what holds a purpose in this season? What's functional? 
What's functional is that no matter what, I'm going to take what I learn here and apply it. So none of this is wasted. None of this is wasted. And it wouldn't be not meaningful if I just got through this season, but I will make it very meaningful by studying the season while I'm in it, studying this book that I get another chance to look at just from a different angle and um, knowing it's all going to be used. None of it is irrelevant when it comes to helping other people go through this easier and everything that I learned helps me go through this easier too. So what has your experience been like with community in this season, both the community that's been surrounding you and the community that I know is on your mind when you're going through this, the community that you speak to when you, when you tour to colleges mm. and the folks that are, um, you know, struggling with anxiety and with grief that, that you spend your life helping? Well, I think it's important this season to identify, excuse me, there are two different types of community. And uh, there is the greater community. And by greater, I don't mean better. I mean the larger community. So weird how we say greater or something. <laughs> I know. Um, but uh, there's the larger community and then there is the intimate, personal community. And um, these things are so tricky to navigate. And there's a lot of times where I don't know how to navigate it. So it makes sense that a lot of people also wouldn't. And I think that sometimes we feel a desire in our, in our personal community, in our tight community, to give advice or say something or speak into it. Um, and if we don't have that thing to say, sometimes we don't show up or sometimes um, it's, it becomes confusing for us because the situation is confusing. And I think sometimes um, that can cause like this strange connection in a like community or, in, you know, in just a situation where um, the, the best things people have done is be present. Hmm. And the second best has been encouragement. And these things, support and presence is um, invaluable. I don't know how I'd get through it without it, honestly. And I really cared about establishing a community in my life that was um, different than what I had when I went through losing my dad because I had a few solid people in there, um, but I went through actually a lot of emotional abuse during that time in my friendships. Um, you know, I was cussed out the week I lost my dad. And uh, this is going to be messy, the way that I say this, and I think it's important to capture that. It's hard to talk about. So um, uh, I hope this lets people see um, that I don't get through this because I'm strong. <laughs> it's not like a natural response where I'm just like, I just, I just, like, I'm really strong. I get through things. I'm strong emotionally. No, I just, the concepts are strong. Yeah. That's the thing. Yes, yes. That's why I'm so excited about 
sharing things like this because the concepts are strong. I just lean on this on those. You see what I'm saying? That's why I'm so excited about these things because I'm like anybody can access these and they might apply them differently because they're different people. Yes. But I think these are very functional, almost universally in people's lives. And uh, as much as things are advice from just honestly, just, hey, this has helped me and this is what I've learned through therapy or this is what me and a team of psychologists have vetted. Um, This is just the guts. So this is what I want future Garrett to look back on and see. And he'll probably have some answers. (laughs) But right now, I am speaking for the people I run into at events that are isolated because of their crisis. Mm. Because um, there are elements of that in this season that are less present than the season I went through in grief but are still present here. And, you know, I'll say this and I'll keep it anonymous. Um, I was speaking at an event and someone said, um, my best friend died, mental health reasons, and um, no one in my community here wanted to be around me anymore because I said I wasn't enjoyable to be around I was being sad. And so that sounds um, horrible. You'd be surprised how common it is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To be around the vicinity of death is difficult. To be around the vicinity of crisis is difficult. And if you have a firsthand connection to it, you, I mean, a lot of times we experience not only mental health issues, but what we don't talk about is mental health symptoms. And so we can advocate for mental health all day. If we don't advocate for the people experiencing mental health symptoms, we'll support mental health. We need more access to it, all these different things. I support mental health. We need to be, but then when somebody is going through a hard time and they're not enjoyable to be around, We can't support mental health without supporting them in that place. And I'm speaking from a place of a helper in that place. Now I'm on the place of being helped. And it's not the first time I've been here, but um, this time it's physical survival. And so let me just speak from the inside of this experience. for the pain that it feels like. And I'm sure if someone is watching this in the future, they may see a Garrett that's more healed and has some solutions that you put in a phonetic way. I try to avoid rhyming it, but who knows, maybe I make an exception. You are a songwriter after all. That is true. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, oof, I cannot turn this into a poem right here. But you can't escape. (laughs) Can't escape it. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, excuse me. It almost hurts equally to bring up how someone has let you down, even in the kindest way you can, and then be upset at you. As it does that they let you down. When we talk about creating a safe environment, I can't think of one more dangerous. And I don't know if people realize, I know gaslighting is a popular word to say, but how the situation creates um, like basically a gaslighting scenario. And then it, we have this expectation of people who go through pain in crisis, like they have to hold this perfect posture of like an Olympic athlete, you know what I mean? Of just like, but I'm strong, but I'll get through it, but all this. It's like, take the bullet like a champ. We treat emotional wounds so different than physical wounds, but emotional and physical pain process in a similar part of our brain. And it's, your brain is a place. Your brain is a place. It's a part of your body. You were saying it's all in your head. Yeah. yeah. My head is my brain. It's, it's actual, my mind. It's actually real. You can, you can feel it. <laughs> it's real. It's tangible. It's actually there. Yeah. Um, so to say it just messy and guttural, um, it's important to hold people to a place of grace because we don't always know what's going on in people's lives, even if we're going through crisis. But we can't be mad at people for experiencing pain when somebody hurts them. And that's what happens when somebody sets an expectation. Oh, I'm going to be here. 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 And has consistent letdowns. I'm not talking about like, it's totally fine if people have to reschedule, cancel, if things come up. Completely understandable. It happens with everybody. It happens with me when I'm trying to help people. It's Life is crazy. But it's almost been a year. I've seen some of my closest friends once. And somehow I'm not supposed to say that. Because... I'm bitter, I'm not, and I know no matter how I say it, it's just going to be off-putting. It's a trap. It's a trap. Because you can't, we look at the person that is shot, and are like, why are you in pain? Why are you writhing? Why are you yelling at the person who shot you? Not that I was yelling at anybody for it, but you know what I mean. Why are you upset at the person who shot you? Put the attention on the person who's shot and the, and the focus on that, not on the person who shot them. And I'm not talking about justice. I'm not talking about to do their due diligence. Dude, I am talking about not letting people down in a season where it can be life or death. I mean... And I'm, see, I'm, I'm not talking about it from my situation. Like, just, eh, people, you know how many more people have not let me down 
than have let me down in this season. I mean, bro, <laughs> you, for example, come on. I have been loved in more beautiful ways than I can even comprehend or process. When you get hugged, it does not take away the fact that you got punched. Imagine there's a line of people standing up to see you. And they come by and each one gives you a hug. But a couple of them knock you across the jaw. Would we be like, well, all those other people hugged you. So don't freak out about these people that are bunching you. It's a separate experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a separate experience. Can't be like, well, you got robbed once, but think about all the other people who never robbed you. I'm not just advocating for myself. I'm advocating in a place of pain and hurt where I've actually done a lot of healing and forgiveness in this place. And it does not change my desire, not from a, I'm a good person standpoint. No, from an actual, like, dude, if people still need help that have let me down, when I'm better, that doesn't change the fact that I want to help them. Yeah. In fact, those people might need help more than other people because um, when people don't make people a priority in a season of crisis or important in a season of crisis, they might not have people that make them important in a season of crisis. Sorry. I'm down to be that person. And, and uh, there's no way I can say that without sounding like, oh, I'm such a good... No, dude, like it doesn't... None of this is about moral... Let's look at... It's too necessary. Yeah. It's too necessary to prevent pain. That's the thing. It's just too necessary to prevent pain. Yeah. That is what is so important. My own included. You know, for years I've just been advocating, let show, let's just show up. Let's just show up. I'm not even like, you have to say something, just be present. And um, the majority of the people in my life uh, embrace that and believe that. Not like I invented it, just that we're all on the same page about that. And sometimes we hear this, you know, I don't have the capacity for you in my life right now during a season of crisis. And you know, during a lot of things, that's very understandable. But the interesting thing is the people that showed up weren't any less busy. In fact, more busy than the people that didn't. In fact, people who showed up in all sorts of crisis, including somebody came to visit me. I was dealing, I mean, two people come to visit me that have, are going through crises as you can compare to mine. Actually, three people, yeah. including someone who's going through a very similar health scenario to mine. Wow. So if someone can barely get up the stairs, but can come here. And you see, I'm saying this from a place too. You know, one of our friends went through a brain surgery and they didn't know how he was going to come out. I tried to show up for him as much as I could. And that was in the same year that my dad died. Does that make me a good, strong person? No, dude, I hate even talking in that tone of voice. You just know what, there's no easy way to navigate this. Yeah. There's no easy way to talk about it because it's so hard because it's like, you can't talk about it in our culture without it seeming rude. Because people right. showing up right. 
is a novelty, they're being a good person, it's above and beyond, actually it's a necessity. And that's the shift we have to make as a culture. And that is the shift that we, if we want to prevent pain in our society and these mental health issues, the most important thing we need to do is just show up. That's it. We don't need to have something to say. We don't even need to have like resources, food. And when we set an expectation for somebody, I will bring food on Monday, I will do this, things can absolutely come up. But when we see repetition in that, where we're persistently letting somebody down, you see what happens is, It's easier to be mad at somebody when they tell you you let them down than it is to think of ourselves as someone who let someone down. That is a hard pill to swallow. And my retaliation in moments, remember I used to be late to everything. (laughs) When I was like, teenager early 20s I was just so late to everything and then someone would be like you made me wait for an hour and I'd be like yeah man I was doing something important like it was their (laughs) fault like they should have been patient with me you see in the same way um it's easier this is what I did in the situation it was easier for me to be frustrated at them than it was to be frustrated at me exactly we will do bad things to avoid being a bad person in our own eyes. Hmm. Hmm. Because a bad, a, a bad thing, a mistake, all those things doesn't make us bad people. And in fact, I'm sure a lot of these relationships will be reconciled. I'm not giving up hope on that. But you know where it gets trapped? I don't have the capacity for healthy confrontation. Nobody does when they're going through this. Yeah. So I'm not in a place where I can navigate the, re- the repairing of the relationship yeah. on my end and init- initiate that. Yeah. And I can't even tell people they let me down anymore in those places because, dude, I'm having issues with my chest right now. I can't be under stress. Literally, physically, it's n- I can't do that for my body if I want to stay out of the hospital. Yeah. So I'm trapped in a place of unresolution that I can't control. Mm. Mm. And if we view showing up for people as a side quest, <laughs> as a, um, mm. and you know, I'm not just saying this in my situation. I want to say this right now in advocacy for the people that also feel this way going through this. Yes. Is that you just don't think it's someone sitting next to you. You know it's me. And I felt this way too. When I started to lose the ability to walk okay, I didn't know how I was going to go forward. There's four people who were supposed to see me that week and none of them came. 
I couldn't make my own food. And I just remember calling my friend Nick. I don't know how to do this, man. Because not only was I experiencing, this is the hard thing to navigate, not only am I experiencing in those situations the trauma of abandonment, but I'm experiencing the opening of the healed wounds and scars from the abandonment in my past going through grief. And those are emotions that make people feel out of control. And we have an expectation in our society that they should still maintain control more than we are. They should handle it with more grace than the people that are outside of the situation not going through that crisis should. You see, the, the thing in this is it is easier to forgive than to be bitter. But forgiveness needs to be layered in a similar way to that gratefulness I was talking about. And that is in layers. Because you might paint the wall with forgiveness and then you're like, dang, this needs another coat of paint. <laughs> Excuse me, because I just don't, I still see thing. And you see, the thing I've discovered is um, you can't have sharp people in a soft season. Unless you want to get bloody. That doesn't mean they're bad people. Some people don't know they got sharp edges. Sometimes we don't know if we have sharp edges. And sometimes we say things unintentionally. Some of the things that have hurt me in this season that people have said, I had said to people before, not knowing it was hurtful. They didn't know it was hurtful. Wow. Saying things like, at least it's not this. So walk me through the depth of this trauma. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not talking about when we're interviewing, when we're talking about oh, yeah. things like this, but I'm talking about like... Curiosity's sake. Well, some of my best friends, I mean, you said some things that have hurt me in this. Yeah. But it wasn't on purpose. Yeah. So I can't hold that the same. Not every, People weren't coming at things, and I wasn't coming at things in the past, like trying yeah. to be insensitive. Yeah. I understand more because I've gone through it. Yeah. Of how to speak on that. Yeah. But, I, you know, it doesn't mean people have to go through things to understand it. Um. Because one, we can understand things without going through it. And some people go through things and don't get understanding from it. That's absolutely correct. And it's understandable because you're just trying to figure out how to get through the situation. Yeah. You're just getting through the situation. Yeah. But my, um, my point is, it's not often malicious. But if we don't leave enough room in our life to show up for the people that are the very closest to us when crisis happens at all. Um, and in any sort of consistency, are we in a community? Hmm. Can we call someone a friend if 
we can't show up for them at all. I'm talking like at all or very minimal in a season of potential life or death situations or in a grieving season or in a tragedy season or in an addiction season or whatever people are going through. If the closest, I'm talking about the closest people in our life can't have us at all. Does that mean that they are a priority? And what is more important than that? That's the question that I ask to create room in my life. What is more important than talking to this person about this right now? And it's very hard for me to justify uh, what is. And of course, I have a healthy balance, you know, with helping people. I have to keep healthy myself. Doesn't mean I won't make sacrifices of sleep, of time, of inconvenience. It's really important in really hard situations. And I don't expect everyone to, to drop everything and come here and do this. In fact, the point of the community is weight distribution. Yes. You don't just lean on one person. <laughs> That's right. It's weight distribution. That's and right. everybody's good at different things. Some people That's contribute right. financially. Some people contribute time. Some people contribute an encouragement. Right. Um, you know, one of my best friends saved up for months and was one of the biggest donors to our GoFundMe. <sighs> what he was able to donate and give. I've never been able to do that. I've looked at things. How can I show up physically? He showed up resourcefully. So I mean, people have different ways and different strengths. I don't want to say people just didn't do this or people just don't do that. Everybody has a different contribution, but you would be surprised at how often when I show up for somebody, I'm the only one. And I know that you've experienced that too where you're the only one. And that may not be, you may be, they might be an acquaintance and you're the only one in the hospital room. You know, I remember I was the only one, right before I lost my dad, I was in the hospital with somebody whose dad was passing away. And I was the only one there with him. I had to work the next day and I was gonna leave and something just stopped me in the parking lot. I turned around, I spent the whole night there. So I was like, me being tired versus this person having support on this life-changing moment that he could be alone for. So I was wanting to work tired. And then I slept the next afternoon. Yeah. (laughs) Texas would say, how you doing? I'm about to take a nap. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, see, there's the, you know, there's the crux of it right there, right? Mm. When when you show yourself (laughs) as someone who is quote-unquote, good at showing up for the community, Mm. one of the biggest dangers in that is the other folks in the community go, oh, yeah, yeah, Garrett's great at that. Garrett's great at giving encouragement. That's just one of his strong suits. He's great at showing up for people. And then all of a sudden, in this analogy that we have where everything is equally distributed, uh, it's it's like this, this... this piece of wood in the water, this this like round table that's in the water and it's floating. And if you start putting rocks on it and the rocks will evenly distribute the weight across and the table will stay afloat. But if each of those rocks 
Uh, if, you, if you keep picking them up going, oh, that's a good-looking rock over there. That rock's holding it down. We don't need these rocks. Mm. All of a sudden, the rock slips into the water and the table slips. Well, I think what happens... See, I haven't noticed that people, when they see me encourage people, they feel they need to do it less. In fact, I feel like anyone around us, including you into my life, makes me want to do it more. And I want, whenever I say things like I just said about me showing up for somebody, it can come off like, I'm showing up for people. Why aren't you showing up? Why aren't you? No, it's, it's really, because it's not, none of this is about like being morally great, right. being a good person. Being, it's need. Yes. That yes. is what drives me. That's what drives me. It's just need. I'm so passionate about this just because I know people need it. Yeah. Once people have have died, when you've seen people in a suicidal place, when you felt that way yourself, when I've been abandoned in seasons, I don't want anybody else That's right. to experience that. That's right. I know the pain. I know that I survived it, but I survived it because of reasons that not everybody yes. had. Yes. Support from community, the right tool set from counselors, the right perspective before I went into the season by spending a lot of time around uh, learning these things, yes. diving into these concepts. So when I came into these seasons, I had equipment with yes. me. I had to a tool set with me. Not everybody has that because like I researched in that. I spent time around that. And I also like developed from a family that cared about that. But it's not biological. It it just everybody's coming from a different place and you know it, not everybody has someone to show up for them. In fact, you'd be surprised how many people don't. <clears throat> because People look at a lot of showing up, and I, by people I mean us, because I was in this camp before. Well, yeah. if I don't do it, somebody else is going yes, to. Yes, that's, um, that's right. And uh, we don't see the effect of when we're not present because we're not there to see the consequence. Right, right. Um, oh, how about I close with this? You can see how powerful your presence is by seeing how powerful your absence is. Yeah. You can see how powerful your presence is by seeing how consequential your absence is. Yes. And that's including me. I, I, I ask, what if I don't do this? And it's not like I put this pressure on myself to do absolutely everything. Yeah. Again, it's back to capacity, but I reserve capacity so that in those places, even yes. in this season, yes. even in this season, it is important that I... I'm checking in on my friends, that I'm loving people, not just being loved. Because when love comes through us, not just to us, and I know that sounds super speakery, <laughs> but the speaker, <laughs> when love comes through us, not just to us, it does something in us. Yeah. And that is really important, not just for us, but for the people around us, because we create the weather around us. Uh. Yes. We create the weather and we are we can't expect everybody else to adjust the temperature. Yes. We create the weather. Yes. 
And all of this isn't important unless you have the aspect of loving people and kindness. And that means plugging that into this aspect where it's like, yeah, people let me down. And people showed up in ways so creative and beautiful, including yourself. I mean, even doing this, man, where I am learning from it. I am like, I cannot believe the amount of love that I'm bringing home leftovers from the situations. You see what I mean? It is crazy, man. It has turned my days around. And a big part of that has been you. And people have made time in the busiest seasons of their life, during the crises of their life, crises of their life. People have done things above and beyond what I would hope people would do. It has been abundantly more. And in the pain of those situations where someone hurts or says something hurtful or minimizes a season or, or whatever it is, intentionally or unintentionally, the thing is that just can't stop us from loving people, including them, man. And I'm not just saying that for... And it's just about, <laughs> no, but for real, it can't stop yeah. us from loving people because yeah. we need people to love us in our mess and when we let people down. Because yeah. in order for us to be a part of society, we have to be accepted when we're messy, yeah. including when other people mess up and give them the opportunity for reconciliation. And even just because they can't be intimate, and I don't mean you know like romantically intimate, I mean personally, relationally intimate does not mean they can't be in my life. Right. As Dowdy says, just because someone can't be allowed in the house doesn't mean they can't be on the front porch. That's right. right. And just because I can go deep in someone's house doesn't mean that they're safe in mine. It's about safety in this season. And when I am in a sturdier position, it'll, I'll be more sturdy to be around people that may not be as safe. Because we are not here to just be around perfect people because there's none of them. That's right. So we're going to constantly be disappointed unless we realize that loving messy people, including us, means people don't have to live up to our expectation to have love and kindness. And we don't have to live up to our own to give ourselves love and kindness. In fact, we need that support to be better. Yes. And... There is nothing I am going to accomplish in this world by being angry, mad, and staying frustrated at those things. I have to separate that from hurt and say, just because I'm separating because I can get hurt or have gotten hurt in this place does not mean it's permanent, does not mean it is, um, they're horrible, this is this. And one bad decision, mistake, um, comment does not decide their identity that's right. just as mine has not decided mine that's right because i might be the same person who's let somebody down or said something hard in a season where someone's going through something similar being like well at least it's not this or at least and that's just hard to hear it's i won't break down why it's difficult because it's already painful so it's just a tricky thing to navigate 
Um, and those people love me. So we are more than our mistakes. Even if we don't know that it was one, even we justify to ourselves <laughs> that um, it wasn't because we don't want to look our mistake in the face. And because we justify being busy in life as more important than being present in crisis. Well, that's something you've taught me. Is it doesn't matter, doesn't matter your talent, doesn't matter your speaking ability, doesn't matter if you have the words to say necessarily. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter any of that. It matters. What matters is showing up. What matters is being there for the people that you care about and the people that care about you. And I, I've seen you show up and save lives just by being present, just by a phone call. And that's where I'm saying it's not like we know this because we know each other deeply. So we know like the mistakes we had a falling out years ago (laughs) and came back in reconciliation and in a season of crisis. And so it's like, I am not a perfect person, someone who always has every single answer. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to share the answers. I do know the things that do work. And I would call myself a professional attempter at showing up as much as I can. I love that. I love that. All my goal is, is to try and attempt and to take every opportunity with intentionality. And um, I know that that is better than not trying to show up. And I'm not saying it's better. No, I'm saying like, really, it's just, uh, I don't want someone to be in pain because I'm not there. I don't want someone to lose their life because they didn't have community. And we are all at risk of that because we will all go through a crisis. And I think it's important that even in this time and in this season, um, when I pass those things, not only do am I caring, but I can't do a whole lot. I don't have a lot of bandwidth, but it doesn't mean I don't have any. Right. It doesn't mean I can't send an encouraging text. It doesn't mean I can't let everybody know I love them. And, you know, the first thing I do when somebody lets me down is write the people who haven't and just acknowledge their consistency mm-hmm. and, and, and realize that being let down by someone does not mean my situation is crumbling apart that's right there are many hands on this situation and if one person goes we might navigate to for the weight to be displaced a lot of rocks on that table but that's why it's important that not just one person shows up that's right not just i show up for someone we show up for someone that's right so that we can displace the weight everything weighs less when we carry it together and you have made it way less. And so have so many people that are watching this. And I just want to conclude, to wrap it up in a messy way because I don't really have like a narrative sense in my brain right now. I'm starting to feel a little 
uh, worn out. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Surprise, surprise. Wow, wow. <laughs> um, I just, I, I just, in talking to the camera, I just, I just love you. I really think that the things that have worked for me in this, that are working right now, that's why I'm sharing it right now, because I don't want you to just hear on the back end, well, I did it then, and you don't know how hard it was. I'm telling you the things that have helped me survive through this season right now, that are helping me survive right now, how I'm surviving has been embracing the situation with a lot of flexibility and grace, especially on myself, allowing myself the flexibility to have hard days and not handle things perfectly, as long as I'm trying to handle them well and kind, giving myself grace so that I don't judge yesterday's decisions. I don't judge yesterday's decisions by today's wisdom by today's realizations, because I didn't know it then, and I know it now, and my my next decision will be so much better for it. It's to take things and know that I may not choose what happens to me, but I choose my response to what happens to me even tomorrow when I'm recovering from this interview. I can't choose always what feelings I experience, but I can choose my attitude and my posture in those situations. And I can choose that even when people let me down, that I can still love them. And that doesn't mean I, ha- I can't set boundaries. I can be kind and set boundaries. I can set boundaries without bitterness. And in that place, the people that have shown up for me in this place have saved my life. And if you're not one of the people in this season right now, there's someone in your life who needs you as bad as I needed people. And they're here. They're in your phone. They might be in this room. They're on your mind. And it is not an overstatement to say that a phone call can change a life and change someone's world. And we can't get so caught up in not being able to change and save the world that we won't change someone's world. Because it may seem insignificant, one person out of seven billion, unless it's you, unless it's me. And I just want you to know, and I want me to know that it's worth it. And I want future Garrett to see this. And know that I love you, future Garrett. Your hair looks great. I'm sure of it. And you're worth it. This was worth it. And the next time someone calls you and it feels inconvenient and it feels heavy, it is worth it. I don't think there's anywhere to go after that. That was excellent. I love you, bro. I love you, bro. It's a special night.